The winemakers are up next, but first, check out this other great show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Destination Eat Drink. I'm Brent Peterson, host of Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast for foodies. This week, I'm talking to Ruthie Foster, the great blues musician and singer about biscuits with jelly, Mustang grapes, and the eternal question of whether to see Ella Fitzgerald or pay your power bill. Download Destination Eat Drink today on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. <laughs> a very typical start to the show. Go, go, go ahead, <laughs> I was Sam. ready for that big professional sounding intro. Uh, welcome to the winemakers, everybody. Um, we're here today. We got the usual gang, uh, Bart, Brian, and John. Uh, and we're joined by the retail side of the wine business. So last week we did uh, wineries and winemakers talking about sort of how they've adjusted and, and programs are doing and what life is like under uh, these, you know, quarantine conditions. So today we're going to sort of uh, shift the focus to the other side of the business, the retail side. So we're joined by Todd Jolly here in Sonoma, Sonoma's best, uh, friend of the program, frequent, frequent uh, guest and contributor. Uh, and then a good friend of mine, uh, Donald Moffitt, who is with uh, – a wine retailer called Zaki's. Uh, he's out of the yeah. Um, uh, sort of a, a national retailer in a sense. A lot of online sales, although they also have a physical presence in Westchester, New York. Uh, Don is an Italian wine expert, uh, but also a certified som, just like Todd, and is now trying to sell me on a regular basis. Uh, Lots of way out of my budget blue chip wines that uh, sometimes I say yes to. <laughs> um, yeah, but don't you enjoy it when you do say yes to them? Uh, well, uh, maybe not as much as Donald enjoys it. <laughs> I say yes to. Uh, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take, right? Absolutely. <laughs> I bring you some uh, affordable uh, rare wines too, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's usually when, you know, all right, well, you have nine bottles in this. Why don't you buy some cheap stuff to fill it out? That's where you learn that from, huh, Sam? Yeah, exactly. No, I, I think Jasmine has taught us all that. Um, <laughs> for all you all you podcast listeners who got upsold by Jasmine in the last couple of weeks on uh, the virtual tasting <laughs> four-pack. Give her a raise. That's great. Yeah, you need a, you need a magnum to go with that. Yeah, exactly. Go exactly. You really do. You know, see how it changes in bodily. I mean, uh, Magnum is always much younger than the rest. So, Magnum's for everybody. Put it you on can walk to your car by yourself with your wine. You didn't buy enough wine. Exactly. You need somebody to carry it out for you. Todd, you're always um, good about that, man. You always get mine to the car, my friend. Yeah, well, absolutely. Happy to do it. You know, tell you the truth, and. Uh, it helps the customer. It also gets me out of the store into the beautiful California sunshine. So, <laughs> so you guys are open. I drove past yesterday, but you are open and functioning and 
And yeah, so the store is open from eight to two every day. We don't have any bar service. We don't have any um, like at at uh, store food or coffee. But to go, we are open eight to two. You know, we usually close at six. Um, we're doing to go delivery. You know, curbside pickup. You don't have to get out of your car. Uh, you can call everything in. Doing wine orders online. Um, revamp my whole website. Got it rolling again. Try to focus on delivery here in nine five four seven six. For those of you who don't know, it's the Sonoma zip code. Um, and then I just launched. Damn right. Damn right, right. And I just launched uh, flat rate shipping to all of California as well to just try to um, take care of the home state here and see what we can do. So, Todd, are you actually driving around dropping stuff off? No. Um, uh, luckily, well, let me let me back up. So, my house rules um, with the shelter in place are definitely set by my beautiful wife, and so with our old baby at home and stuff, I'm under a pretty strict stay at home policy. Yeah. Um, to Bart's comment earlier before we started recording, I have one day a week that I'm going to the store and then I do everything else from home. And so Michelle and Hannah, um, who are managers of the, the store and then of the cottages are doing the deliveries um, and they're packing. So I basically every morning put an email together of the, the day's orders from before, send it in and then a FaceTime with them to find all the bottles and, yeah, they pack it and deliver it and sandwich deals and cheese platters and all the like. Nice. But then every Thursday morning I go in about 5.30, 5 or 5.30 and work for three hours, put the store back together. I get all the deliveries in on Wednesday and kind of rebuild things. And then all the complicated orders and shipments go out on Thursdays. So I put all that together myself and then um, go from there. So. And what's, I mean, what's the drop in business levels you think? Um, luckily, you know, people are tending to be drinking a lot right now. So, uh, it's been kind of fun for me. Uh, obviously the drinking at the store business is completely gone. Um, beer business is, and like beer taps, that's a, a big part of our business. We can't, can't do that either. Um, but I've been working my ass off. And so drop in actual bottle sales. Um, we're definitely not like right where we were, but it's, it's a number that I'm happy with. So it's not, not too bad not to get too specific, but I'm happy with what we're doing for the situation that we're in. Yeah. And what are a lot of people, are they, a lot of people just uh, leaving you an email or calling you and saying, Hey, I'm looking for three whites, three reds, pick me out something in this price range. Or are they getting specific on the, on the, um, on your webpage? Uh, it's kind of a mix. Uh, there's a lot of orders that people I don't know that are just kind of six and 12 bottle packs coming off the webpage. Um, customers that I do know I'm on the phone with pretty often putting new stuff together. Um, as I rebuild the website, I'm doing it all myself. Um, I'm not the best coder in the world, um, to get, to get things super specific, but what I'm doing, adding more and more stuff. So there's about 50 items on there right now versus like the 600 in the store. So, um, it's, are you buying any wine right now? Yeah, actually quite a bit. Wow. Um, and so are you tasting it or are you just buying from people, you know, that kind of take a lot of the stuff that I'm buying is stuff that we sell a lot of, and there's some cool deals and discounts going on right now. And so I'm loading up on five or 10 case pops. And then instead of just making that extra margin, I'm doing some, uh, doing some cool deals, doing a new thing called wine Wednesday, where the, uh, the retail price drops just for one day, um, and moving quite a bit of wine, you know, and, trying to help some family owned wineries out uh, on those wine Wednesdays. So uh, it's been sort of a, a flash sale kind of model. Yeah. Um, Any, anybody got, you want to talk about? 
I mean, last week we did the Heights Sauvignon Blanc. Uh, we nice. saw like six cases in a day. I mean, that's, you know, pretty great. Um, I didn't ask Heights for permission, but, you know, they, I think they retail it for right around 30, 28 to 30 bucks, and I sold it for 20. Um, wow. I don't want to point any fingers, but, you know, Bart liked it. So he bought some. <laughs> hey, it's a great place. Who did you yeah, sell yeah. the other uh, half a case to? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That's good. But uh, yeah, you know, it's it's been fun. It, I haven't spent a whole lot of time in my online business before this. And so it's kind of cool to get these little flash sales up and kind of do some stuff that I can, I don't want to say help out the community because that's that'd be selfish or incorrect in me of saying, but to get some good wines and drop the price and um, be able to, get better wines in people's doors for cheaper right now. Hey, you're doing them a favor. Believe me in this day and age, any, anybody who's doing it to make it easier mm -hmm. is, you know, going to benefit on the, on the other end, you make it yeah. easier for people to shop. They'll buy more. Yeah. You know, just trying to, trying to keep people stocked up so they don't have to have to come around and like the curbside pickups is working really well. People show up, they call the number, they press three, wine comes out all the bottles to leave the store wiped down with um either like hard service sanitizer with you know paper towels or wipes if we have them does that affect uh, the uh nose at all because i'm real sensitive to cleaner smells for instance joe news is also um, a lot of organic oils for uh, mosquitoes and bugs outside mm -hmm. i'm i can smell that way it ruins the wine it really does like yeah, I found with, up the, with the sanitizer stuff, like once it hardens, I don't really smell it anymore. Um, but with essential oils and things like that, for sure. My wife, um, she does like the doTERRA thing and she'll do some essential oils and it's just like, you can't smell anything but that. Yeah. You can't. Citronella is really bad. Yeah. So how's everything going on the East Coast, Donald? I mean, it's kind of the same thing for us. I mean, we're deemed essential in both New York and uh, DC because there's weird laws with selling at grocery in both uh, DC and New York for wine, spirits, beer. Um, so I think that, you know, you want to avoid, you want to keep people complying. You want to make sure they can still get their alcohol. Um, but we're doing a lot more volume, especially of the everyday ones. Like, you know, the blue chips, are going, but you know, we're all the increases we've seen is it's a lot of like local delivery in Scarsdale where our original shop is. We've picked up on that in DC as well. We're only doing curbside pickup. Um, we have to have our building almost fully staffed in DC because half our warehouse is storage. So we get into an area that like people buy lockers, therefore we can't prevent them from accessing their property. Um, so, you know, we're doing that by appointment, doing curbside on the outside, but you know, we're, trying to make it fun at least you know we're doing you know supporting some small producers like there's a italian producer we did a promotion with a week ago called agrippi where if you bought a six pack of their bulgari we would give you it, the six pack included a magnum cool. you know so a bunch of people bought those online and had fun with that i know you know we're getting some unique like on-premise only wines i sold sam some uh AHP Villan which is the house label of uh, Aubert Fallon, who is the proprietor of DRC. <laughs> um, his wines aren't crazy expensive, but they're mostly on premise. So like in the retail sense, a lot of people are taking advantage of some of those quirky wines you can get that aren't expensive. They're just genuinely hard to find. Hey, they're way to us. Hey, Don, can you just real quickly, because not everybody's heard of Zachy's, can you give us a little backstory on Zachy's and... 
Um, yeah, so we are about 60 years old, uh, or it's actually probably more than that, close, probably closer to 70. Uh, we started as a small liquor store in Scarsdale in Westchester. Um, the Zachariah family who owns us kind of were at the forefront of big wine sale ads in the New York Times, then followed by national catalogs, and then on to being um, uh, an internet retailer as well. Um, actually, a big portion of our business now is we, I believe, as of last year, are the largest wine auction house in the world. Wow. Um, so we do a huge amount of that, buying sellers and trading in different types of wine, whether it be on the retail side or the auction side. We just expanded and got our business licenses in Europe. And depending on how things go, we were going to have our first European auction in the fall. Um, but we still are a family-owned company. Um, you know, as much as we become a national presence and thing like that, you know, we still are, you know, a kind of small, nimble family-owned company that's been around for a long time. The family is very devoted to wine in their community. You know, they're doing a lot for the hospitals and things up in Scarsdale and Westchester, which is one of the harder places hit in uh, Long Island. Another reason we all come in down here is to not strain our digital systems because they have more <laughs> to deal with up there than we do down here. As of right now, DC has been relatively good about locking down early and kind of maintaining a slow rise in our curve. We haven't ever really hit the exponential growth, at least not as yet, and hopefully it stays that way. Yeah. <laughs> What's your data? A, sorry. There's a local connection to Christina Zachariah, who is your owner's wife, is a, has a good friend who lives in Mission Highlands and has actually been to the 16600 Tasting House a couple of times. So they're, uh, you know, they're, and, and buys wine. You know, they're, they're supporters of local businesses uh, all over the country. So uh, good, good family for sure. For as, for as big as the name is, good folks. Yeah, I think the first time I ever heard about you guys was – Working for the Benzigers, you know, it, there was always that was a very important account to them um, in the early days because it was in their backyard, basically, right? Um, so that's all. Go ahead, Brian. I just wondered what what uh, Don's day to day was like. Like, what is it that he actually does in a normal circumstances? So in a normal circumstance, so in DC, we run a more concierge based business. Um, we don't have a bottle shop or liquor store like they do in Scarsdale. We have a warehouse that's half storage, half retail, and then offices above. So most of my day to day is working in the office, emailing Sam and other clients like with things that come and go that, you know, never end up on the website and different things like that, older things out of the sellers we buy. Uh, and then we are heavy on events. So we do a lot of wine dinners, and we have a big classroom space, which is where I'm sitting right now, where we'll do master classes or, you know, walk around tasting things. You know, we did a fried chicken and champagne thing, like right around the new year and different things like that. So that's, we're more, especially in DC, gearing towards people who want to learn about wine and have, because some of the metropolitan areas on the East Coast are having less and less uh, shops where, you know, it's liquor stores or grocery stores. So the we're trying to be that you know, you want to explore wine and try something new, you make a relationship with us and we'll tell you the quirky things we're buying. We have access to the New York warehouse. Um, so, and then, so my day to day is relatively the same now, except obviously the events went away. So, and, and so are the events is some of it. Um, yeah. I mean, event space, both educational and just like groups, like do you, do you do any political fundraisers, stuff like that? 
Uh, we do not. As of now, we've never rented the space out. We do yeah. let people, wine people, like we're pretty lenient where like if you're providing wine and want to have people come taste it, like we like the space being used, you know, but we don't, uh, as of now, we have not done any leasing of the space. Not to say it won't ever happen, but it hasn't been part of our model in the couple of years we've been in DC. Cool. As a teaser, Don and I have been talking about how to do uh, a vinyl Sunday on the road with Daffy's somewhere in DC. Um, so a space like that, you know, the, the kind of model that we're looking for. Of course, the whole Vinyl Sunday Roadshow is uh, been shelved as of now. So a virtual Vinyl Sunday for all, but no, no Roadshow right now. <laughs> well, Sam, that would be a good thing for you to do on uh, online. Bring David Gans up, have him sit outside, and you talk, and you're at the house. Uh, and it is, you know, this any of these should be like a tasting session, welcoming people into your home, your tasting house. And I think yeah, that I mean, would be interesting. I do. Um, I have been working on a, a, some sort of like a Zoom virtual vinyl Sunday experience similar to like what we did a couple of weeks ago with um, the Hospice to Rhone event where, you know, there was a dozen or so people who were, you know, able to speak on the Zoom and show up on camera. And then who knows, you know, how many people were logged in and watching and hanging out and, you know, drinking Rhone wines, uh, but not necessarily part of, part of the show. So that's definitely something um if i haven't announced it by the time this show airs um i better get on it because it's something i want to do before all of this is over is a, a virtual vinyl sunday with you know and not necessarily even make it about selling wine but i'd love to just you know have one of those deals where you text 10 10 10 to donate ten dollars to the food bank or you know some sort of uh, charitable organization yeah, or even a, even just the artist you know if you get, maybe you right. get somebody to play live you know um, I've exactly. heard a lot of fun about, I've heard a lot of fun. That's a good sentence. Um, I've heard people having a lot of fun with, you know, artists playing live and you can get one guy to play his guitar for the background for an hour or something like that. And you can sit around with his friends and drink or, you know, whatever it may be. But yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly. Yeah. Uh, and you know, we, the, the cool thing about 16600 is we have, uh, you know, a pretty, pretty stocked Rolodex of, of musician friends and for sure. connections through the Grateful Dead and, and all of that. So, and, and um, you've got a lot of nice vinyl. A lot, of, a lot nice of nice vinyl. vinyl. I know. I have thought about just going down to the tasting room and, you know, I don't know if anybody would want to just watch me playing records and drinking by myself in the tasting room, but that seems like something that we should do. Yeah, I think you should do it, man. Hey, good morning. All right, we have uh, uh, another <laughs> retailer from sort of a, a third uh model from what we have with with <laughs> alvaro you're sideways um i guess it won't matter if you're sideways on the on and there you go uh okay so we have dawn from zaki's todd jolly from sonoma's best alvaro uh has a shop in in downtown la called wine stop dtla oh i um, see your stuff all the time yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely social media presence yeah um and a longtime supporter and, and retailer of uh, 16.6. In fact, I think you bought one before you even opened, right, Alvaro? Correct. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so why don't you just do, you know, real quick kind of overview of, of what wine stop, uh, you know, the wine stop model, the wines, you know, sort of the wines that you carry, and then kind of uh, your background a little bit 
um, and then we'll go into how your business has changed in the last seven weeks. Right. Well, I, I started in the wine business in 94, a long time ago. I was working for JK, for JK Imports, uh, which is James Koch, which is a boutique uh, um, importing company based in Pasadena. He started the company in 85, so I came in in 94, at the end of 94. So I was doing the importing and distributing with him. With him. Then, uh, you know, we all go through that, and eventually I just got tired of it, and I decided to, to do my own shop. And that's how the concept uh, came about. Uh, I'm very lucky that I have that connection with JK. So I'm actually able to source the wines directly. So I am the one that goes... Um, abroad and brings the wines. Uh, I know European wines. I lived in Italy for many years. So that's what I love and that's what I wanted to do uh, with wine stuff. So the concept is bringing just affordable wines, uh, delicious traditional affordable wines to, to LA. Uh, I was always um, surprised uh, when my customers will come from Europe and will say oh, we were drinking wine the entire time and it didn't break the bank. So I really wanted to replicate that, uh, that experience. So I'm sourcing all these small producers from all over Europe. And again, because I do have that connection with JK, I'm able to, to get the wines at a really, really good price and I can pass on the savings. I, I believe that good wine should be accessible and affordable. Um, my father is Mexican, I'm half, I'm half Mexican. I always feel like the Latin community has been ignore and are represented when it really comes to wine. So I really wanted to be able to bridge that gap. Um, I have customers that will come and ask me for something sweet. Uh, and I didn't want to sell, especially in my own community, something that it was crap. So I, uh, I make an effort, especially when it comes to minorities that come into my shop to, to reach out and to make them feel included. I think it's important also while creating wine stuff that people see a face like mine and an accent like mine. So they can feel like, uh, oh, I can do this too. You know, I think that for the longest time, also the wine business has had a, an image that uh, it's something abstract and unattainable. And it isn't. It's, it's, it's a beverage that should be enjoyed and um, available to, to everyone. So that's what I'm doing at Weinstock. Cool. And then how, you know, so, um, I, you know, I know your shop, uh, it's it's not huge, but it has a really interesting selection. Um, but you're now so have you shifted entirely to to curbside? Are people still coming in? What are you uh, What are you doing in the in the current era? You know, it's uh, I've been I've been in that location for three and a half years, and it's really have you been to the place? There was nothing there. It really is like industrial. Uh, it's now developing. Now uh, there are some nice coffee shops, and of course, of course, Soho House just opened across the street, which is making the area a little trendier. But uh, still, it's pretty rough. Uh, so I've been very, very lucky that my customers have been able to to get what I'm doing, and they are supporting me. They are coming out. Um, I pretty much switched to switch to curbside. I advertise, you know, uh, place your order online, text me, um, call me, um, we'll have it ready. And the, the clientele, uh, they, they know what I'm doing. They know that if they are going to, like, for example, your wines, I'm the only one in downtown LA that has your, your wines. So if they want to get them, they know that I'm the only place that 
uh, they can get that stuff. So uh, that niche, the fact that I actually have products that no one else has, it also has uh, set me apart from the rest of the of the wine shops. And, and that's not to say that, you know, I, I always tell my customers, whatever you love at this shop or at that shop, I do not have. And whatever you like here, I'm the only one that has it. So uh, I'm a great option for the downtown and the LA client because they won't be able to find, I'm a new source. Uh, they, they are going to be able to find new wines at my shop. But yeah, for the most part, uh, people just do that. They call, they text. If they're coming in, they really are respecting the social distancing. I'm right now doing uh, inventory, so I have a guy there because, again, we want to keep, keep that social distancing. Uh, it's a small shop. It's 960 square feet. So I want the customer, if they're coming into the shop, to have the room to walk around without bumping into each other. We all wearing masks. We're wearing gloves. Um, just respecting the the ordinance. Yeah, I'm just looking at your website right now. What um, can you talk a little bit about the the natural wine market and how that's taken off in in Southern Cal? I I uh, I have mixed feelings when it comes to this because again, I've been doing this for a very very long time. Uh, I was selling natural wines in the late '90s, and nobody wanted them. So uh, the fact that now everybody wants natural wines, I'm like, well, you know, this, it's, it's a trend right now. But I think the most important thing is to be able to support uh, a producer that is making things sustainably. As we evolve, we know better. So now there are just so many things that can be done in agriculture that doesn't require mass pesticides or herbicides and um, any of those harsh chemicals. I always supported small producers that were being respectful to their land. That said, the less chemicals that we put in our bodies, the better, of course. Um, it is a buzzword. I don't think that people actually realize what natural wines are. I think that we need a clear and precise language when we're talking about natural wines. I cannot hear the word funky one more time. You have to be precise. <laughs> You have to be precise and you have to be clear. And I think the journalists, people in the industry, from the importer to the retailer, we all are responsible for this. We have to communicate to the client in a clear and simple way, not making just stuff up. People love to throw, you know, words here and there. Uh, I think for me, the bottom line is support a producer that is making things um, sustainably, support a producer that is treating their workers properly, support a producer that is respecting their uh, people and their land. Um, if the wines are organic, fantastic. If the wines are bio biodynamic, even better. If the wines are natural, jackpot. I also going back to natural wines. I because I've been exposed to these wines for such a long time. I always tend to buy, to purchase, and to introduce my customers to a cleaner version of. I think the wines should be balanced. I don't think that you should have a sharp note of whatever funky note you like. I also think that there are just too many wines that are being called natural, that they are pretty much the same. If you taste them blind, this cidery, kombucha, uh, fizzy, um, it's great. It's great, and there's a market for that, and there's a space for that. But at the same time, I think that your best, um, your best bet is to really invest in a natural wine that is going to go the distance. You do not want something that is just going to be a trend and it's going to fizzle out. Um, that's it. There's, there's space for, for this in the market. Oh, just one thing real quick. 
that's me knocking that smirk off Sam's face. <laughs> but Don or Todd, if you, if, if since we're on natural wine, you guys want to chime in, go right ahead. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'll just, you know, completely agree with everything he just said. I'm not going to say it as eloquently, but, um, you know, there's, there are differences. One of the things I like about the, uh, the kind of cloudiness around natural wine is it's, you can talk about it that way. And, you know, in my opinion, I think this is a natural wine. And so you can sell different things that, uh, in my opinion, you know, fall into the category, but might not be, you know, the crunchy, funky, I'm sorry for saying the word, um, <laughs> you know, style that, you know, you know, customer XYZ might come in looking for. And you yeah. can kind of put people down a different track of, look, this is family owned. It's farmed organically. Yep. Yeah, they do put sulfur in it. But in my opinion, there's two things out of three right there that really make it natural to me. And so that's what I think. Um, uh, yeah. There's a rush right now to make a, a cidery, funky kombucha, easy to drink, glue, glue, uh, with a cute little label. Um, mm -hmm. Since I've been in the importing distribution and now I'm doing retail, I've seen all of this. And I have to... I have to um, talk to the customer again and again, and I don't want to be that person that are like, no, you're drinking oxidized wine or it's wine that already just, I do not want to be that person, but I do say, you know, this is a natural wine and it's uh, uh, maybe a more traditional version of uh, try it. You know, uh, it's the, the, the language, the language around natural wines. Um, I've, it's been, too blurry i've i've heard i've seen tweets saying oh is natural wine good for your skin is, is it good for um we're just waiting <laughs> until somebody says like does it cure cancer you know uh it's, natural it's, wine cures the coronavirus chase the day keeps the coronavirus away <laughs> john what do you what do you you i mean you saw a lot of traditional European wine as well. Some of it will probably fall under these, you know, cloudy versions of what natural wine means. What do you, what do you think here? I have always avoided the term natural wine because I don't feel like it has a definition. I will use biodynamic. I will use natural yeast. I'll use anything that's definable. I just, I don't like terms, especially, you know, I sell over the phone. I sell via email. Like I, I can't show people the bottle. I use I'd like to describe it. So I like wines that do as little to the wine as possible, but I don't know, you know, I, I, the kombucha funky thing, like I think it's too much of a gray area. I don't, you know, I like using terms with my clients when I'm selling wine that have an actual like finite definition to them. So I love biodynamic, organic, natural fermentation. I'm a big fan of wines made in clay and, you know, skin contact whites, the Movias and Grobners of the world. But you know, I try and avoid the natural wine just as a generic blanket term, if at all possible, in, in my professional life. <laughs> it's a smart approach. <laughs> well, and Alvaro, do you have, do you actually have a walk-in? You got a brick and mortar store so people can come in. I do. I, yeah, I, um, so I switched from uh, JK to, to WineStop uh, three and a half years ago. Uh, I opened in October of 2016, Winestop, and I was supposed to open Winestop Silver Lake uh, now, but hey, <laughs> this happened. So the this, this, this store is ready to go. 
the goal is to have a few wine stops uh, in LA. I do want people to think of wine stop for European wines. Uh, I want them to think of me. I have excellent prices. I'm really, really proud that I'm doing pricing quality in LA. It's going to be hard to, to, to beat wine stop. Uh, again, I'm accessing the producers directly with the help of JK, which charges me a minimal fee. So it's, um, it's uh, exciting that I'm bringing, uh, you know, real traditional wines. Um, I don't have an issue with natural wines. If my wines are natural, I, I would say that they're natural. I do wait for the producer to tell me, you know, this is natural. Uh, I, the, I also, uh, go, going back to the natural um, uh, conversation, there are so many little, uh, again, little labels that are just being thrown around and, and, and I don't know where these grapes come from. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how cool these kids are. Uh, they're just like coming up with this, these things and all of a the sudden they, they are like, do you have this? When they come, my customers come into my shop, I'm like, so where, where is this one coming from now? So uh, again, I think that there is credit in tradition. There is credit in history. There is credit on your grandfather was doing this and your father was doing this. Now I'm doing this. Uh, and, and that's what I try to do. That's not to say that I'm not open to modern takes on wine that's not to say that i'm not open to uh exciting young winemakers trying to do new things break away from the doc or the aocs uh but i i do play um some way on people they've been doing this for a long time actually can we talk a little bit about um and and don and todd maybe you can add to this also and you know, from your sources and, and, and suppliers. But Alvaro, since you, you know, you usually make a few trips a year to Europe to yeah. source and, and so how has that changed now that, you know, and, and what do you sort of see over the next six, eight months in, in being able to find, you know, con connect with your producers in Europe and, and, and keep bringing stuff over here? What are you, are you? Sorry, I just, I'm wondering, are you able to bring stuff in from Europe right now? I was, uh, I, this is, uh, I was in Europe for three weeks at the end of March, beginning, uh, end of January, beginning of February. Uh, we got back into the States right on time before everything just went to hell. Um, I was, uh, I went to um, uh, Bio, a uh, huge uh, wine fair in Montpellier, uh, which is, you know, it's one of the natural, the biggest natural wine fairs in, in Europe. And then I went to Barcelona Wine Week, and then I ended up in Paris for another huge wine, uh, cool climate uh, wines. Uh, my goal on that trip was to bring a little more expensive wines because when I opened the shop, I wanted to concentrate pretty much on under 20 retail. Uh, so I was looking for, of course, uh, Burgundy, Beaujolais, uh, Bordeaux, I was trying to do, you know, some more expensive Italian wines and just try to see if I can get some uh, more expensive Spanish wines. Uh, I came back and as I'm about to place orders, you know, this happened, I shifted completely. Uh, those expensive wines are gonna have to wait. I think that people, we all know people are drinking right now. People are buying. Uh, we are lucky that we have a clientele that uh, hopefully they like what we're doing and they keep supporting us. But I feel that we're going to go into uh, a recession, you know, 
uh, they're trying to pump a lot of money into the economy. Uh, hopefully, my, all of my customers will, will get their, you know, their $1,200, maybe hopefully more, so they can come and support my business. But I think that people are going to drink, but they're going to drink less expensive wines, more affordable wines. I think that's, that's where we're going. And because, you know, when we had Ann Charlotte on, didn't she say that she, she wasn't able to ship wines into the U.S.? I am, uh, I am trying to put uh, a few containers together right now as we speak. Uh, it's taking a little longer. Uh, okay. I, I'm coming, uh, they're consolidating a container from, uh, from Portugal. Uh, then the French container is, is, comes after that, then the Spanish and then an Italian container after that. Uh, so uh, when is that going to happen? I don't know. I, we are talking to our logistic uh, companies, but uh, there, there's, no, there's no date for it. So uh, in, yeah. in, in, on paper, it looks like we can ship but it hasn't happened so so no one has said that you can't ship it just seems to take a long time or no one it takes a long time it, it, like for instance we're collecting i'm collecting wine right now the one that is leaving first is is coming from uh portugal so i'm collecting wine from vino verde from uh, tejo uh from lisbon uh from alentejo uh so everybody's saying oh it will take like two weeks for the truck to to pick it up uh, so it will take like three weeks. Uh, it will take us because we are like working at half capacity. It will take us uh, four weeks to put the order together. So uh, that's where we are right now. Just there are big delays. I would say logistics is the biggest effect with the overseas trade. We do a huge amount of business in Italian wine, and one of our biggest things every year is Brunello. And so we, you know, that, and they're, some are coming in on time, some are coming in a little later. It just depends on the importer and the sourcing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And even on our end, right? Like we have to maintain social distancing in our warehouse. So we're getting yeah. more internet orders, more delivery orders, but it's taking longer to pick them, but the volume's going up. And, you know, so we just, we have to tell our clients, we can't guarantee when pre-arrivals are coming in, when we can get things out. We're working as fast as we can, but logistics, I think are, one of the things that has having a huge impact on do you, business. Do you, think, do you think that the market is going to continue buying uh, Brunellos, Barolos, Amarones? I think so. We've seen pretty good business. I mean, obviously, you know, we're trying to do offers and specials and different, you know, the flash sales and the yeah. different things like that. Um, we're we're really trying to see thus far it looks like the auction end of the business is maintaining via the web and all that stuff obviously our may live auction live action auction has been moved to june and you know we have to kind of wait and see that we had a good first of the year auction like the week before everything uh shut down at la poly <laughs> um but you know but we're also taking advantage like we're it won't no one will hear it who's airing but like we're auctioning off a collection of wine from Danny Meyer and Union Hospitality through Sunday, I think, uh, that most of that is going to hospitality charities. So it's a bunch of gems from Gramercy Tavern and all of his restaurants wow. to kind of uh, prop up the nonprofit he's founded. I know we have another auction lot that we're working with uh, Billicar Simone on that's going to benefit, I believe, the James Beard Foundation's uh, charity. 
Um, so I think there is, I agree that, you know, nobody happens, but it seems to be like that middle of the road to plus Brunello's. I mean, I'm obviously dealing with a more nationwide clientele. So we're picking and choosing clientele from all over the places versus people walking into the shop. Yeah. Um, but we seem to be, it seems to be chugging along. Is it unaffected? Yeah. Probably not. But thus far, it seems to be going. I do think there's going to be a lot of some of the stuff that would normally be gone, possibly available for, you know, some things that would be gone on pre-sale might, you know, be a good thing for someone to pick up as a Christmas gift in November, December. Cause you know, how nice is that like, point? Yeah. That's a good, that's a good point. There's going to be increased availability of good stuff. Um, it's going to flow. Everything's going to start back up again here. People are what going about to the restaurant, the wholesale, the restaurant market. What do you think is going to happen there? I mean, you know, I've been getting emails. I'm sure you guys have gotten a few of them from different distributors that are starting to furlough employees, especially the, you know, the on-premise side of things. You see off-premise, you know, guys that are working their butts off right now because of the way grocery stores work and um, like the off-premise. I have an on and off-premise license. So I see mostly on-premise reps. And a lot of those guys are now sending, you know, all these different deals because they're getting so aggressive to try to sell even to restaurants that are closed to try to have people that know that they're going to open back up um, because they have the, uh, you know, the funding to do so afterwards. Um, but I mean, the off-premise game is, is huge right now. I mean, there's so much, it, you know, all people's money is being spent at retail right now when it comes to food and all of that, you know? Yeah, I think you know, the restaurant's going to come back when it reopens but I think like the allocated wines that like retail is getting access to, like, I think that's just going to continue. Cause I think when a restaurant reopens, they're not going to need the highly allocated wine to gem at the top of their wine list. They're going to be restocking the lower end stuff that they've been yeah. selling to go. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, cause there a lot of restaurants are doing all right. At least in DC restaurants are allowed to sell to go as long as they're selling it with food. So like, I think the sub hundred dollar bottle of wines, like those are what are moving to people and that's, what's going to be replenished. So I think, you know, I think on the retail side, there will be more access probably through the end of the year would be my guess of allocated items. Mm -hmm. Probably not as much as there is currently, but like even through the fall, like, cause I would imagine restaurants probably won't be buying as much of the allocated items as they previously would have. Yeah. I mean, allocation lists right now are pretty nuts that are coming out. Um, I get, you know, it's like six to 12 bottles of Opus one every year. And I usually sell them to, to one guy. It's current vintage release. Um, not really, you know, not, not a wine that I drink all the time for money or for style, but um, I mean, the list that Southern just sent out of all the old vintages they have, I mean, they have like a 20 year vertical in the warehouse that was, you know, slated for just places like French laundry and other restaurants like that in San Francisco, you know, nobody's buying them. So they're opening these up and it's kind of like a, a teaser that they can't take away. You know, I mean, once if they're, if restaurants aren't buying the stuff and retail will, you know, what are you going to do? You got to, you got to move the product. Well, is French Laundry doing any pickup? I thought I heard that they were doing some meals to go and wine. Uh, $700 to go dinner. <laughs> why, why not, Sam? Honestly. <laughs> you know, they're, they're not quite the same, but I did hear that Keller was putting out, I don't know, 50, 60 meals a night. Well, I think rest, wasn't that Paul Mabry when he was on that he had picked up some wine. He said he was eating Thomas Keller's fried chicken, so I'm assuming it was <laughs> the, sh 
that it was Bouchon, right? Yeah. That he was or ad yeah. or ad hoc maybe. Or ad, ad hoc. hoc. Yeah. yeah. The the restaurant scene here in LA is is pretty sad. I I will be I think there will this this is gonna be a massacre after this is over. I think that there are a lot of them that they won't be able to open back up. Uh, yeah. downtown was booming. There were opening restaurants left and right. And, um, I think that after this is said and done, a lot of them won't be able to, to open. Uh, it doesn't matter if they got, you know, anything. Yeah. I mean, restaurants are hard enough already The you know, your, your margins are so slim that, yeah, you know, it's, it's tough going back, I guess. You know, Saunders dealing with that right now with the girl in the fig. And if, I mean, that's, they run a pretty tight ship. So I know if they're, if they're struggling with how things are going to reopen, then, you know, I'm sure most people are in that same boat. I, I just, you know, I'm working at a hotel. So for me, we're supposed to start taking reservations again, June 1. We'll uh -huh. take uh, room reservations. But as far as the, you know, how many people are actually going to travel? Travel is something that, you know, you normally you're setting up ahead of time. So I'm, I'm thinking July, August, I mean, until people are comfortable <laughs> making vacation plans and actually going somewhere, like, I, I don't know what I'm going to be doing for a couple months. And as far as buying wine, I, I had already started stocking up for spring. Like I knew that the pool and the spa was going to start going off. So I was doing some of those, you know, 30 case buys or whatever of stuff. And now that stuff's all just sitting there. So yeah. Now when I go back, I'm sure there's going to be some some slamming deals, but I I'm not going to be able to take advantage of anything because I'm sitting on a bunch of wine that's just been sitting in the cellar. Well, we can help you on that. We can you can bring some on. We can virtually taste them, talk about it. You drop off four of them at each house. John, I don't know that there's any screw tops. Yeah. <laughs> God, I think you worked in advertising way too long. I think so. I'm much happier in radio. Podcast. I can't I can't even get on property, John. I don't know that there's anyone there. I, I would imagine maybe someone from security is watching the hotel, but um I I don't know that anyone's actually working. Security is just doing backstrokes in the pool drinking whispering angel. Oh man, can you imagine? <laughs> All by himself. Taking some of that good cognac. <laughs> I did see uh, a section this morning on restaurants, a, a, a note about here in town, somebody saying that one firm might be going out of business, just calling it, hanging it up. And she wants to make sure that when you see, if, if you see anything, make sure you set the record straight that she's not going out of business. Who's that? Sandra. I just saw the email this morning. Oh, some, yeah. Somebody's starting a rumor that they're going out of business, and she's saying when things are right, she will make sure she takes care of all the employees, all the staff at every point, and come back. But it's sad that somebody's starting to say something negative. Is that Kathleen Hill that started that rumor? Oh, no, no. <laughs> Not at all. Those are fighting words, Ryan. <laughs> And I work with both these ladies, so absolutely not. Okay. No, I, I wasn't I wasn't trying to imply that they were going out of business. Just that as an example of a successful restaurant <clears throat> that really keeps their ducks in a row, it's gonna be challenging for them. So that you can imagine in, in LA, like like Alvaro was saying, these these little mom and pop restaurants, I mean, 
trying to get back on their feet and um, you know, what have they been doing with the, have they been, have they gotten loans and what have they been doing with the money? That's one of those things, you know, when you get the money, you've got to spend it in a specific way. And so one of them is on employees. Well, I think, if I think you even if you get the, even if you get the money, honestly, it's like you're, you have to use the money to, to pay your employees, which is, I guess, you know, what everybody wants to take care of their own. But, um, there's just, I mean, we're all in, in, in expensive cities, you know, the rents are expensive. Yeah. Uh, they're going to need all the help that they, they can get, even from, you know, distributors and importers, you know, not only uh, everybody's going to ask for, as, as, as is, you know, restaurants take 90 days to pay the, the invoice. So now it's going to be six months, you know, so it's just... It's, it's going to be a harsh reality. The financial system has definitely slowed down. Um, I don't know what people are doing okay. about rents yet, um, but you know we're already firmly into the second month where rent was due. Um, anybody hearing what what people are saying? Landlords, renters, etc. No news. I don't know. Some, I mean, we're, some we're, landlords are doing good, and some you know being forgi forgiving, and some aren't right but you can't do there's no evictions in california right now but it doesn't mean that uh you know when that goes away that uh, there won't be retribution for some folks i don't know i think it's just i think it's talking to them because there you know there's some people where your rent pays right. your rent pays their rent so now what are they supposed to do they they got to get the money so that they can pay their own rent if you've got right. someone that that owns you know multiple properties and they're able to, you know, or they own it outright and they're just paying for yeah. maintenance or something, then you can have a, have a conversation with them. And um, I think that's the biggest thing is that, you know, what I've heard is that people need to reach out to them and just start a conversation and, and say, you know, what is it that we can do? Um, if this goes on for another month, I'm not going to be able to pay my rent because yeah, even though they can't evict you, you don't want to get two months behind. And then, and then when we do open up, then <laughs> what, then, then they say, pack up your shit and get out of here. Right. Uh, like rib the banks pushing, you know, mortgages three months out, but it's all due at the end of that. Like what good does that do? They need to put that on the back end of the mortgage yeah. and make the mortgage three months longer. Like, right. If you can't pay your mortgage one month. Why are you going to be able to pay four mortgages? At one right, time, but just yeah. add it on at the at the end. Uh, honestly, Todd, that's the only way I can see any of this working. There's going to be have to have to be a massive forgiveness of about ninety days worth of debt in this country. And uh, on a different topic, right. like massive forgiveness. Uh, let's all forgive White Zinn and celebrate Carpenter releasing <laughs> their bone dry. Sonoma yeah. County White Zinn, two hundred cases. Nice segue. Uh, is freaking delicious. How, how much yeah. do we have to pay for a bottle of that at uh, at Sonoma's Best? Twenty five bucks. Twenty five bucks. All yeah. right. <laughs> you should be drinking Wait. this instead. Nice. <laughs> you, got, you got a few cases there, Alfred. Yeah. That's like, I'm that's I'm like the whole production the of this wine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is natural wine, actually, from Valencia. Nice. <laughs> oh, nice. But. Um, no, I, what I was going to say is like, even when everything opens back up, like you were saying, uh, no one is going to rush into a hotel. No, no one is going to rush into a, a restaurant. Uh, I was talking to some of my customers yesterday and they were saying, no, we're not going to rush into restaurants. What's going to happen is that we're going to host more dinner parties. Uh, mm -hmm. We're going to invite our friends to smaller groups and we're going we're gonna to continue supporting you. 
I think retailers, again, they are in a really, really good position right now. If you were able to offer good customer service and created a, a loyal clientele, you're going to be able to survive and, and, and thrive uh, because people are not going to rush into restaurants. They're not going to rush into traveling or uh, going on vacations or hotels. Though that industry, the hospitality industry, is going to be like suffering for, for a while. Yeah. Brian, hopefully you guys get a lot of like San Francisco business, you know, or just Bay Area people that want to get out of, you know, if they're in Oakland, if they're in San Francisco and want to, you just want to leave the, the compactness of it and get up to wine country. And Well, that, that's what I'm hoping is that the PR and marketing department really kind of hits locals, you know, start mm -hmm. offering something to get locals in because those are going to be the people that'll actually come to the restaurant just for dinner. Yeah. You know, come in for breakfast. Just even if you live in Sonoma, get out of your house for a night. You know, you've been there for two months. You know, you want to go stay somewhere else at a, a good rate and, you know, room service or, or whatever. You don't have to cook for yourself. Yeah. Back you, don't to clean. You, don't have to do, you don't have to do dishes. Even if you get takeout, right, you still have to do dishes. Yep. Like the, the dish apocalypse of, <laughs> of this whole thing. Yeah, the dishes uh, situation. I think, yeah, I think that that's definitely what, from, from the tasting room standpoint, what we're – you know, fingers crossed, kind of counting on when things start to open back up. You know, I, I think uh, from a personal standpoint, 16600 in is a pretty good position to be ready for whatever new normal looks like with, you know, we basically had social distancing in, in our tasting room anyway, you know, small groups, we can use some outdoor space, but I yeah. think it's that, it's that road trip traveler, you know, people are going to want to, people are going to want to get, um, you know, get in their car before they're going to want to get into an airplane. Uh, yeah. So hopefully, hopefully people are. I think like uh, places like you, they have a tasting room, uh, me with a with a shop. Uh, that's going to be the new normal. Uh, people are going to wear masks. If they're going to wear gloves, it's going to be one customer at a time at my shop. Uh, it's going to be like that for for a while. Um, yeah. I'm not opening the the in store tastings. I don't think that's gonna be, you know, something that is gonna happen this year. I think they're gonna continue saying no uh, groups of five or less. Um, it just that's gonna be the new normal, and yeah. and that's okay uh, because you know hopefully at some point you know we'll 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 get a vaccine or something. But, yeah, brutal. Another slightly downer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> let's let's uh, everybody's got. Well, maybe you know Brian's got his his vape pen. John's drinking coffee. Uh, Don, how many elixirs do we have? Yeah. What are, what, what are you drinking there, Don? Uh, I'm drinking a wine called uh, Petalos. I'm probably doing a terrible job of yeah, pronouncing it. Yeah, I know Petalos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's an old vine uh, Bierzo made from old vine uh, Mencia. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's, it's kind of in the wheelhouse of what people are looking for, you know, the yeah. dollar really fun, unique, drinkable bottles of wine. Um, so, yeah, it's an enjoyable afternoon uh, drink since I'm on, this co on the other coast. <laughs> It's not breakfast wine for you because it's afternoon. <laughs> All right, what's your uh, breakfast wine? I'm going to sign off. I'm still okay. doing inventory and moving boxes. Nice chatting with you all. Thanks. Thanks. Pleasure. Alvaro, give us a, a Thanks, uh, how, you, how you get 
a hold of wine stuff um any specials you got going on uh, follow us on instagram at winestuff.com come to see us when you're in downtown uh, in la uh hopefully when this is over i'll have the silver lake store ready to go and you can check that out too and if everything goes well i'm coming your way i'm coming from for everyone <laughs> you're gonna to see it, wine stuffs everywhere that's the <laughs> end game I'm going to take over the world. Well, keep that <laughs> social media going because it's really yeah, good. Yeah. That's how I learned about the Zen I'm drinking from Sam was from yeah. your ad. I called him. I said, <laughs> can I get some of this? <laughs> you see, my, my plan worked. <laughs> yeah. See you All right, thanks. Bye. Thanks, Alvaro. Thanks, for thanks Alvaro. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank yeah, that's a nice cool shot. Yeah, and I like his website. Like you said, he's got some – He's got a bunch of wine on there that's basically, you know, $19 of all, yeah. you know, stuff most people probably haven't seen before. It is. Cool. It's totally a, a Brian Casey uh, approved sort of selection. Price point wise, yeah. his palate is very, you know, I, I think that uh, you would dig a lot of the stuff that he's got in there um, as far as kind of how it tastes and, and what he's finding. And really, it's and you know, it's things that uh, you can't find elsewhere certainly in in los angeles um so he's you know, he's got a, a cool sort of uh, niche with that um, you know and a fairly crowded you know especially with heavy in the the funky natural these days uh, fairly crowded wine market kind of carved out a very interesting yeah. um little business there so yeah and, and uh, a good guy to boot so i'm uh, happy yeah. to have had him join us there uh yeah. bart you're you're drinking a, a podcast listener submission uh, he's pro oh, there we go. Bart, you want to show us that bottle? This is uh, Kitka. Kit Kitta. Kitta from uh, uh, Camp Four Vineyard down in Santa Barbara County. Um, the winemaker, and I do not know her name, is a, a Native American winemaker. Uh, first female Native American winemaker, as I believe what I re read. And this was from a couple of listeners of ours, you guys that we were supposed to share together um, on the show, but oh well. Gee, thanks, Bart. Yeah. <laughs> drop the last yeah. Of, I'll drop the last of it down at the bottom of the hill for you, Sam. All right, thank you. <laughs> yeah, payback's a bitch. I saw, I actually remember um, Bob Cabral, I think, gave me a bottle of William Selyam Chenin Blanc and said to give it to Bart, and it never <laughs> made it, never, <laughs> never made it to his house. <laughs> oh, as a matter of fact, it was so bad that, that Bob like reached out for me and said, Hey, have you and Brian opened that bottle of Chenin Blanc yet? <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. It's been opened, but not by me and Brian. <laughs> Bob, Bob's got a concert coming up, uh, online concert with Sammy Hagar. Have you no seen any, anything about this yet? It's a three-six thing early May. Uh, it's coming right up. But, uh, oh, I didn't hear about that. A lot, it should be a lot of fun, um, honestly. Huh, the Red Rocker and Bob Cabral. I'll, huh? I'll, I'll find out about it. What do you got, Sam? Yeah. I got uh, Stone Edge Farm 2016 Sauvignon Blanc. It's actually been open in my fridge since we did Edge Takeout uh, at some point last week. Um, and it's 2016, and it's uh, oh, 83% 80, Sauvignon Blanc, 17% Semillon. Um, and in my fridge for almost a week, and it's still like fresh. It has these other all these like flavors going on that I didn't have when it opened. Almost sort of like a 
a mango thing on the nose. Um, it's, it's pretty delicious. So, and if you're local, you know, after you get your delivery from Sonoma's best in the nine, five, four, uh, edge, which isn't a place where you can like normally even get a reservation to eat. I know, I'm, They're doing, <laughs> we're talking about French laundry pickup. Yeah. And you're, you're talking about Edge, which is a restaurant that's open what, like on Thursday nights by invite only or something, right? It's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty tough. Well, and, and the guy who runs it is, used to be either the GM or the Mater D at French Laundry. So it's definitely the only curbside pickup I've done in Sonoma where it's somebody in like a coat and tie and then a mask and rubber gloves bringing you the food to your cart. It's, you know, they're doing it uh, as classy as you'd expect from from the Stone Edge Farm team uh, and and fairly affordable, you know, uh, three course. Uh, I got a tractor driving in behind me. Um, three course uh, meal, forty dollars a person. Um, wow. You know, yeah. So you know, it's it's way less than it costs to go to Edge on a you know normal times, and uh, the food's good. You know, a lot of it is you know all the vegetables and stuff are coming from. From their own gardens and um, yeah right from the mcquown's house right there yeah which is yeah. basically in between my house and, and bart's house here in, in the valley floor so yeah. um it's uh it's definitely you know in you know a, a place that is pivoted and adjusted and i, I frankly think are probably you know, getting more sort of impact in the community and, and more business out of the community than they normally would have through all of this so it's one to yeah. check out for sure yeah. Well, I was, I'm not drinking this morning cause I was drinking a little too much last night. I was, I was drinking the, uh, Francois Villard, Donald Pat's white run blend from Mendocino. That oh, that's right. D Donald did a flash sale the other day, but it was three, three bottles of red, three bottles of white. And I just texted him and said, Hey, can I just do whites only? And he said, he texted back and said, give me your address. And then I said, okay, what about, my credit card like how am i supposed to? he's like oh don't worry about it we'll take about we'll talk about that later and then then the wine came i texted him and i said hey man the wine's here thank you how do i pay you and he's like don't worry about it you pay me next time yeah, <laughs> you're gonna owe him so much put it on my tab buy, buy the glass pour for the rest of your life yeah oh, exactly. i know that's yeah. that's a marker basically <laughs> <laughs> you put on there <laughs> And and John, I'm gonna give Todd some credit. You know, there's a group of us that um, taste wine together pretty regularly down at Sonoma's Best, and and uh, uh, Todd's done a real good job of taking that to the uh, to the real world now. And uh, so, from all of us, Todd, thanks for doing that. It's been it's been fun. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. We just did a blind actual blind tasting last week and did little five ounce bottles and had them distributed to everyone's homes and. Uh, there's four wines on a on a Zoom call. There's probably mm -hmm. what seven, eight of us. On yeah, the call. yeah. Um, it was a lot of fun. And yeah, shout out to Safa for blind, delivering. Yeah, legitimate blind tasting <laughs> that you know took some time and, um, but yeah, it was it was really fun. It was really fun. Cool. So, you got Safa delivering for you now. Uh, you know Safa, he's just he's just the friendliest, most helpful dude I know, and he offered. So Great I said friend. I can I can put the wines together, but. Um, according to uh, according to our family standards right here, I uh, I'm not going to be able to go around delivering them. He said he'd be happy to do it. Nice, nice guy, good friend. I was hoping did, he'd pull up in a Ferrari, we... but. 
I want all my deliveries from Sonoma's desk to be done by Ferrari. Just to Let me say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did we get the the five thirty in the morning restock story from Todd that we had sort of like stopped? Oh, Burr, are you talking about the Unti story? No, I was talking about. You said you went in and you hadn't quite got your coffee yet. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you know it's like the five five thirty. I get there to to merchandise before the store opens and. I got a delivery of Unti Vermentino and I'm setting it up in the store and, you know, I've cut, you know, for the first eight years of my career was retail. I've cut so many trays and wine boxes. I don't even think about it anymore. And Unti has pretty heavy bottles, pretty heavy boxes. I cut the box, pull off the top, didn't even, didn't even think about it. And all the bottles are upside down. So it's like <laughs> 515 and ball, it's like a waterfall of bottles. My pants are soaked in wine. I'm standing there, like in a normal situation, it's just like drop the microphone, walk away, like go get somebody to come help me mop the floor. I'm like, I got to deal with all this, and I got to get to my to-do list, and I got to do all this today. And so I just had to uh, walk around in Vermentino-covered pants for uh, for the next couple hours. So it was good. So now, wait a minute. Do you reach out to Mick and say, "Hey"? Um... I had a little accident. <laughs> Can you? <laughs> what the hell? Put some arrows on your boxes. <laughs> no, I didn't. That was uh, that was my bad. I mean, it's, it's gonna happen. Did, yeah. Were you able to save any of the bottles, or did they all go? Yeah, there were only three, or like two, maybe two, maybe three, something like that broke. Uh, it wasn't the whole thing, but it was a. Uh, yeah, luckily with those old wood floors, it's Sonoma's best. I get I get some good rebound off of that, but the the ones that nick the countertop on the way down broke on the counter. And then, uh, it's just you know doing your work in the new world order right yep. you know that wouldn't have been your thing to get in at 5 30 in the morning to do the work and but you do what you got to do to keep it going so that's all yeah you know it was a throwback to my old days with youngs up in oregon because i'd get in those grocery stores to build displays um about that time you know i got to get them built before the store opens up so uh, but there was somebody to make you a cup of coffee before then yeah exactly <laughs> so i was just uh it was one of those like like I'm an adult. This just happened. Deep breath. Okay. Got to move on from it. Deal with it. So, but yeah. Well, at least the cases were full, Bart, I just, I just, when you were telling that story, I was, I was remembering that, you know, at the girl in the fig, I'd go through about five cases of imagery V and Yay a week. And, and it wasn't, it, it was not unusual to open up a case and for it to have 11 bottles in it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> really? Really? Yeah, that's, how, that's how they make their profits right there <laughs> well I, yeah i mean i i don't that was obviously an oversight i'm sure <laughs> yeah. Certainly not when i was running the bottling line that's for sure uh-huh <laughs> that's you why bottle wasn't ending that? up in your selection there, yeah <laughs> well, so you know the the, the uh -huh. famous going back to the glen ellen days of of the benzigers the famous story is that you know when you pack a pallet you pack it with 56 cases. It's just the way it fits. Um, and at that time, you know, Glen Ellen, they would send out, it was truckloads, right? So it'd be, it'd be uh, 22 pallets on, on a truck. Um, so that's about 1,320 cases, I believe. Well, Bruno Benziger came up with the idea of that we make them um, 60 cases a pallet and send out still 22 pallets. You can do the math. It's like another pallet of wine. And so, at Benziger, we were the only winery I've ever worked at where the pallets were all 60 cases to the pallet. And um, if you add that up with the amount of trucks that the, you know, Glen Ellen days used to ship out, it's a shitload of wine. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and people didn't say send me a truckload. So right. Yeah. Well, you had a John Toolsy moment there. <laughs> we lost you for a second there. You have pants on, though, Bart. <laughs> John yeah, Toolsy t- on the on the Hospice Derone video. The only thing that you could see that he was doing was not wearing pants. You couldn't really hear him. You couldn't really see what he was doing, except for that he would stand up and had no pants on. Nice. He had a chef's coat and no pants, and yeah, yeah. no pants. <laughs> That's Things are getting awesome. loose. Things are getting loose, especially on a Saturday afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> I've been at pants on since Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, you want to wrap this up? Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's throw it to to Todd and then Don to let us know any you know how you got a hold of you, um, any sort of things that we should be looking at for as specials and cool things that are happening uh, little shout outs and such so go ahead Todd. sure yeah uh sonomas-best.com uh, on there you can click on the wine delivery tab and we've got all that on there um i told bart i'm going to launch a promo code for 20 percent off six bottles or more for listeners when this goes out and it's uh drinking at home is the promo code um so if we can kind of put that somewhere so people can use that because 20 percent with the you know adjusted pricing that i'm already doing is is the it's a good deal to buy some wine. Um, you got the thing, Vermentino? Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> the price went up a little bit. But yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I got to make up those few bottles. My, the bottle I was going to bring home to, to, to sample, you know, I was on my leg, so I didn't get to do that. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, Ring it out. Yeah, we have a, within our family of brands, we have the new restaurant, Georgette. It's going to be opening whenever we can. But the chef, Casey Thompson, she was on Top Chef. Um, she was over in Napa for a while, and now she's – she's here and so she's going to be doing some zoom classes um i'm going to do wine pairings with and 100 percent of the proceeds are going to just free meals that uh ramekins and general daughter are giving out um so those are for sale on somas-best.com too so it's 50 bucks you get a zoom call with her you get a shopping list um, wine recommendation and then 100 percent of the proceeds is just going to feed people that need and that's there's we should probably give that a shout out. So basically, I don't know if it's every day, but at least once a week or so, it's sort of a no questions asked food. If you daily, yeah, every morning, off. I think. It's daily. Um, okay. Yeah, and yeah, no questions asked. Once it first come, first serve. Um, at General's Daughter, drive up, uh, hand it to you, and just drive on away. Nice. And where is Georgette going to be? Uh, General's Daughter. Like, yeah, General's Daughter. I don't know if I could talk about that yet, but yeah. Oh. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Well, if if it's public knowledge, it's public knowledge. It's public knowledge now. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's so many different things going on. I don't know what's uh, what's what, but yeah, it's at General's daughter, Georgia. But, you know, shout out to the Sonoma Best people because they they've been doing that. I believe it's been five days a week um, mm-hmm. since this whole thing started yep. um, with those free meals. So um, yeah, yeah, daily getting it done. Nice. Don right. Don, how do we get a hold of you and? Um, you know, how, uh, how much more fancy wine are you going to try and tell me the next couple weeks? <laughs> uh, as much as I can for the, uh, you, but, uh, uh, our website for the DC warehouse is dc.zackies.com. Um, anyone who wants to get a hold of me, I'm, you know, any, I'm open to talking about wine with anyone. It's just D Moffat, M O F F A T at zackies.com. 
Um, as for specials, we're coming up with new stuff and doing flash sales and different things, you know, a few days a week, there's a special bottles here and there. Um, I would promote the uh, charity auction, but it'll probably be over before the uh, <laughs> podcast. But if any of you guys want to shop, there's some cool stuff on the uh, Zachy's auction webpage uh, from the uh, Danny Meyer collection. And like I said, there's a potential for some of that stuff going forward as well, that we're just trying to help the broader food and beverage community. <laughs> Right on. All right. What about uh, Sam and Bart? Is this going to come out before? No, not before your next virtual tasting, but I heard that there's a third one probably in the works. Definitely. And I, I don't know when this is going to come out, but uh, if you haven't seen it in your email or social media, there will be a third um, virtual uh, tasting for the winemaker through the winemakers podcast. And I believe, uh, I don't know if we've told you about this, Brian, um, one of the things we're talking about is, uh, oh, it says no, <laughs> we're, we're breaking news here. Uh, no, I, don't think, I think Brian and I talked about it the other day. I think we're going to make the masses wait for oh, no, okay. the review of the Roussan. Oh, remember, remember that commercial when we were kids, I will sell no wine before it's time. Yes. Before it's time. Yeah. So My, no barrel samples of the Roussan in the <laughs> next virtual tasting. No, I'm not sending my wine out until it's perfect, Sam. Oh, come on, man. I got I to represent. Uh, <laughs> I got to represent Rossi Ranch, man. All right, fair enough. <laughs> well, how long until it's going to be perfect? John, the wine will tell me. I understand. How long until it's perfect? <laughs> That's a good question. Yep. Don't yeah. know. <laughs> well, it's basically natural wine, so it might never be perfect, right? <laughs> well, I'll drink it when you say I, you drink it. I got a guy in LA. He's looking for a lot of it. Sam, it can't, it can't be natural wine because your dad picked it. And to be natural wine, it has to be picked in July, right? <laughs> I, well, those, the grapes are too expensive for it to be natural wine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and aren't there naked virgins that have to go along with that picking also? Picked by naked virgins? Yeah. Uh, you know, enterprise business employees. Standard stuff. Um, you know. <laughs> Company will, real book is you have to keep your clothes on. I'm not going to make any uh, <laughs> assess, uh, uh, assumptions about anything else. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, everyone out there, thanks for listening. Keep ordering, keep ordering wine. Keep joining us on the virtual tastings. We're having fun seeing everyone's faces and and seeing you know where people are are from. It's kind of cool to see people from all over the United States. And um, I mean, you know, Kevin all. Kevin Burns already apologized for the next one coming up <laughs> well then i don't even know what that's what we're supposed to think he said, he's coming on just straight no pants gonna do the slow right. walk in <laughs> well did you guys see on the first virtual tasting you guys did there was there was someone as it as it progressed in the tasting someone was like are we supposed to drink all of the bottle and <laughs> there was someone on there that was like done <laughs> and it was a it was one guy he was drinking the bottle every time <laughs> well Bart, Bart, how are you going to do a third virtual tasting you don't have any more wine um i i have a little library wine and um and i might that, set out i might i might do a um pre-release bottling of the i just someone just gave me 20 cases of free glass so i might do an unfiltered pre-release of the chenin blanc maybe we'll do that Ooh unfiltered i'm trying to decide if i'm going to do it unfiltered so that you know send it out see what people think about it see what it looks like before we do the bottling 
I think well, it's going to look it's going to look cloudy. <laughs> Ryan, I actually tried it last week. It tastes really good. So, <laughs> all right, guys. Well, we'll look forward to talking to you next week. If you want to check out some of the past episodes, you can go to the Wine Bankers uh, uh, website, uh, the Wine Makers Pod. You can go to um, RadioMisfits.com, and um, I really enjoyed the show we did with uh, Esther. I think she should be. I think she should just be one of the hosts of the show. If you can work that out, Sam. I don't think we probably can't afford her. Uh, she's got fancy. <laughs> I, I enjoyed that show too. That's a good listen. Yeah. <laughs> and and she got me drinking mezcal, which is good and bad too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Brian, well, you like you like to accept those challenges, however. You do. <laughs> You're always looking for mind. something new. I don't mind. And and I was telling Sandra that the other day. She said she has so much mezcal. She said just come pick some up. I think she got into it for a while too. So. Well, she, if you need help with that, I'm uh, willing to volunteer. Well, my I'm, my favorite my favorite moment, if anyone's still listening, <laughs> my favorite moment of working at 16600 Tasting House was not too long before everything shut down that, you know, Paul was doing, of course, his, his daily cleaning out of everything in the tasting house. He likes to move stuff around. And he, he had a bottle of mezcal that had about, you know, had, had a few shots left in it. And Sam is entertaining some guests in the I don't know if it was in the dining room or in the front room with the theater seats. And, and he comes back and me, Paul and Jasmine are all standing around killing this bottle of mezcal because <laughs> we, we, were, we didn't want to let him throw it away. And Sam comes in and his three employees are sitting there shooting right out of the bottle. And he's like, what are you guys doing? Come on. <laughs> where's the invite? That's really what I, where's the invite, guys? <laughs> and, uh, give a big hug to Althea there, our newest, uh, uh, podcast uh, newest my, host my totally like sonoma snob daughter who likes to drink san pellegrino out of the bottle yep i like it <laughs> now that is a great photo really is because i can yeah, i can photoshop a label on that to where you're, you're she's chugging spanish for us man. <laughs> oh all right guys we're gonna get out of here hey <laughs> thanks don thanks yeah, tom appreciate you. it see you guys thanks, um, thanks for, for having us guys all right, talk to you later.